Hello everyone and welcome to episode 145 of Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Liam O'Rourke alongside Carl Jones. Put that cigarette out. <laughs> yeah, a fitting tribute, Carl. Lovely. Uh, we are the only two of the, uh, the the gentlemen around the open table this evening. Uh, Kieran O'Rourke is unfortunately sick and can't join us. But we are here today to talk about Wrestle Kingdom 13 by New Japan Pro Wrestling on January 4th, as well as uh, all the news that's come out in the last uh, few days about All Elite Wrestling, Carl. 2019, we're only nine days in at the time of recording. This is a pretty fucking crazy year already. Yeah, very much a newsworthy day, or newsworthy uh, few days already coming out of Wrestle Kingdom. I did find it funny, uh, I can't remember the uh, person that I follow on Twitter now, but he did give a, a quite sort of cute description, I'll, I'll call it, of, of how he described this as almost like the deadline day sort of window. <laughs> the, the transfer window. The tran- transfer window, where he was just waiting for either Jado or Gedo to pull up outside, uh, <laughs> outside somewhere in the car, a la Harry Redknapp. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, so that does seem apropos. We might actually still get that. Who knows? But uh, obviously, what we're going to do first uh, is we are going to break down Wrestle Kingdom 13 match by match, give our thoughts on the show, and obviously, kind of the the state of New Japan Pro Wrestling as it approaches 2019. Because got some questions. Things that make you go, hmm. Yeah, indeed. Uh, there's a lot of that. Before we get into that, of course, just as a uh, quick housekeeping note, you can, if you're listening to us for the first time, go back to the archives at squaredcirclegazette.com where we archive every show we've ever done. You can uh, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash scgradio. Um, and of course, we've had plenty of shows in the past talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling, the state of, um, as well as our Midnight War Timeline series, our trials, and all other manner of uh, wacky, zany topics. Sorry, just quickly. Our award-winning timeline series. That's true. Award-winning timeline series, not to be understated. Uh, but moving now swiftly along, Wrestle Kingdom 13. Uh, we'll go in chronological order here. Um, before we actually get into nuts and bolts, expectation level for this show, Carl. You're, as far as I know, you kind of you follow things, but you're not like a die-hard watcher of every single show. It's it's one of those things with New Japan. I always tend to find that I'll sort of drift away from it somewhat for, for whatever reason, which that's, I, I do with a lot of promotions these days and then when when a, a big show's coming up and obviously for New Japan you don't get bigger than Wrestle Kingdom it's, it's almost like someone sort of hits the panic button with me and it's like oh crap yeah that's coming up isn't it so it's sort of a, a mad rush to sort of go through the back catalogue and <laughs> cramming like, yeah tra- basically like, like you're cramming for, for the, the exam day sort of thing yeah someone's like trying to just get everything in and did you get to see the tag match that people were talking about the uh, Osprey and Tanahashi against Ibushi and Kenny Omega match regrettably I did oh, not oh man you should still go back and watch that match that was fantastic that was, that was the match I think we mentioned on the Christmas show that got me the most excited for this show just because and I will say that like going into this show this I was more excited for this event than I have been for any show in probably years I had, I had such high expectations um not necessarily see, for even one match. See, I, I was probably a, a little bit, a little bit different. Um, trepidation's not the right word. I was just uh, more curious as much as anything. Um, in large part because I'm so, so used to seeing Okada in a main event, and him not being there it seems somewhat jarring. And listeners of the show by this point sort of have an inkling of what my views on Jay White are and we'll, we'll touch on that going forward yes, but, will. but I was sort of a it was much more of a sort of a curiosity as much as anything else it's particularly when you bear in mind just a few days before I sort of all elite wrestling is announced officially yeah and so knowing the names involved in that it kind of um taints not the right word but it, it sort of alters maybe alters a little bit my expectations for the card and sort of 
telegraphs things a little, I think. And 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 pretty much throughout the show, as it turns mm. out, and it, and it starts right at the beginning here. Eugene Nagata, Jeff Cobb, and David Finley going over Hangman Page, Marty Skrull, and Yujiro Takahashi, uh, always, two members of the elite. Yeah, always got a bit of time for Nagata. Yeah, oh, Nagata's awesome. And, and I don't have much um, much experience previously of Cobb. Oh yeah, so that was uh, that was a nice, little, impressive little salvo or opening salvo from my perspective of what in terms of what you're getting from him. I, I like him. I yeah, it was, it was a nice, nice. David first Finley, impression. David Finley, not so much for me. And I've seen him before, but I just I, there's just the, the gear, the look. He look, he just looks like a guy that should be pumping my gas and not in a not in a kind of you know not in a in, homoerotic way <laughs> and, and not in an endearing he's, a, he's an everyman type of way almost like a he just looks kind of scruffy and not, a bum not, like a bum and not yeah. like a star um, mm. I know that's probably the look he's going for but unfortunately that doesn't fly yeah it's, it's more it always seems like his, he's just he's there yeah he's always going to be just there you never really get the impression he's ever really going to make at least not in New Japan elevate above the level he currently is and he's been that way for haven't, haven't, I don't know how many years he's been with the company he's yet. been there for a while I was going to say it's been, it's been a few hasn't it yeah yeah so I think he's just he's sort of in many respects part of the furniture I suppose yeah very much so Yujiro uh, and his, uh, his fine valet that we'd be talking about for much longer if Kieran was here with us today but we will just touch on it give a nod to the camera work and move on <laughs> well you know it makes a difference from Kieran who would normally touch himself <laughs> Get well soon. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, of course, they then move on to uh, Hiroki Goto, who looked like he wanted to be anywhere else. Oh, didn't he just? <laughs> didn't he just? Yeah, there's a, a curious things with this with this pre-show match about the placement of, of certain individuals. And I'm, I'm not necessarily as high on Goto as I am others, mm. but I do, but I do still still like him. And I just sit there and think, yeah. Surely there must be a better use for Hiroki Goto than a pairing with Chucky T. Chucky T and Beretta. Beretta. And I'm sorry, I hate Chuck Taylor. Well, Beretta I'm I'm just sort of generally indifferent to for the most part. Yeah. Chucky T, on the other hand. I just want to slap him. I'm, I'm oh, not quite, not quite, but almost Mojo Rowley levels of dislike emanate from me when I see him. <laughs> He just comes out with that fucking grin like he thinks he's cool or oh, funny. It's yeah. like he thinks he's funny and he's not funny. No, the joke's on him. Yeah. Well, the joke felt like he's, it was on me he's, in this. He's, he's the butt of the jokes. He's not part of the joke. Yeah, and, and, and it kind of, I've always had that with him. Uh, ever since I first saw him on Dragon Gate USA pay-per-view that, uh, when, when Sapolsky was doing him. Um, and I just remember him doing a promo that just sucked balls. And I just thought, I, I've decided I don't like you. And I heard him on PWG commentary and decided I don't like him even more. And anytime I've seen him, I always get this vibe from him. It's just that I just don't think. Uh, well, I don't think it's there. I must confess, I've been spared his commentary, so I can't. Oh, spe- Christ I can't almighty. speak to that. But if it uh, if it's as bad as you say it is, then uh, yeah, it, it sounds like he would have to go on a hell of a long way to endear himself to me going forward. Of course, last year at the Tokyo Dome, Hiroki Goto, that we just mentioned, had a fantastic match, one of the best matches on the show, with Minoru Suzuki, who is also on this pre-show. Him and the, the Killer Elite squad do finally upend uh, Nagata, Cobb and Finley. Yeah. Really not happy about that. Suzuki? Really not happy about that use of Minoru Suzuki. Nah. I mean, oh. Goto looked miserable, but Suzuki like, always looks miserable, so you couldn't really tell if it bothered you, him as much. You, you couldn't really tell, but it just, yeah. It even felt underwhelming with the uh, with the entrance. Yeah, you know, 
Even 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 the crowd weren't quite with it as they have been in previous years. You think, yeah, I don't think they're thrilled about this. Suzuki on the apron as the song hits Kazani yeah. and he's going to half heartedly waving like, yeah. "Fucking come on, <laughs> someone look like you want to be here. Give me something for this at least." Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just never mind. Pick to win the whole thing. I was surprised they didn't. Just re- a real case of underutilizing the talent. It's, you don't even have to look at last year as a contrast right? as great as, as mm. that match wasn't as much as I enjoyed it you know just as a body of work and Suzuki's a character he's, no no he he should always mean more than this yeah uh, finally and, and like I said I thought they were going to win eventually they lose to the team of uh, Togi Makabe Toriano and donning a rugby costume for some reason in quite a comical manner is Ryosuke Taguchi um, I thought Suzuki and, and the Killer Elite Squad were going to win this I was kind of surprised they didn't but again Lance Archer not not impressed with him either no, the two nights no, that I saw him no, this, it, this, it, it is I, um, I, I watched this with my friend uh, Lee ah and um, in, in the interest of full disclosure he's never that been a particularly big fan of British Bulldog okay. to be honest so I was wondering if this sort of colours his perception somewhat but when when they first come out and Davy Jr. takes that Irish whip into the barricade. Oh yeah! It just looks, yeah. Oh, he really, he really slow-paced it down. Really hit the brakes <laughs> as he made impact. And he just looked, <laughs> he just looked over at me from the other side of the room with this look look of disgust. And I went, "He shit." <laughs> one thing like that will ruin it all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not really one for the Killer Elite Squad. Uh, actually, that being said, when you look at that list of those those five five of those six names, yeah, I don't really care for any of them. Hmm. No. No. Not a I'd, one. No. I'd, I've I've never I've never cared for Maccabi really. No. I'd, I've never thought he was awful or anything. But he's never been anything. Yeah. What well, if, if 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 he decided to leave New Japan? I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't shed a tear. No. Ditto so, Toriano, uh, actually. Yeah. Like he's, I you know, I don't, I don't mind seeing him every so often doing the comedy thing. Yeah. But it's just, it's, it, I just, I, I, I know, I know, I know. He's got his place, and this know, is his yeah, place. Yeah, so. th- th- this is his place. In fairness, um, but yeah, again, yeah, you know, those if those, those, you know, Maccabi, Yano, and T- Taguchi, if they disappeared, no one would mind. I'd mind if Taguchi left. I like him, but I will say that that I mean that this kind of is, is sums up the pre-game match in general. Not really a hell of a lot to say in terms of what was going on. It was just kind of felt as soon as it was over, like, okay, we're out the way. Yeah, let's move know, on. You know, it's, it's it's inoffensive as a match sort of thing. It, it, there's there's nothing to write home about, and really in a positive or negative sense. J- just the, the case of you think, surely you could have found a place for Goto and Suzuki on the main card somewhere. Yeah. But as we move now to the main show, obviously we did have a couple of big announcements. The uh, the Jewel Tokyo Dome show they're going to do next year. The fact they're coming to England uh, for a show uh, in London. Um, but kicking off with Will Ospreay and Kota Ibushi. Now, I know that you said on the phone uh, to me, Carl, that you had some strong thoughts when kind of bouncing up between being uh, kind of caught up in the moment or just outraged. Well, it, it's a curious thing. I And it's not really something I thought about in great detail before the show started sort of looking at the card but I'm not really used to starting off with a match like this I hated that I hated it it's you know normally you you get that sense of with New Japan as opposed to 
say WWF or WWE back in the day where they would always have a bit of filler in between to try and not burn out the crowd you're always used to them sort of putting the more focused matches in New Japan they'll just go one after another they'll you know, go boom, in boom, order boom, of boom, what's boom, important and I was of the view right wrong or otherwise here in truth that this is a match you'd maybe, you might have had fourth from the top fourth from the top somewhere in that ballpark yeah so I, certainly, certainly if you were to break the show down into two halves you'd have expected this in the latter half of the show yes you would I was I, I, I hated I hated that I, I'd heard they were going to do this ahead of time I hated it when I heard it I thought it was going to play out the way it did and I think it played out badly I think that the heat for this match would have been far better if they had positioned it later in the show because it felt like the crowd wasn't even though they were excited and they were into the match it didn't build to the levels they weren't primed they for weren't it they weren't primed for it they weren't ready for this yet and not only were they not ready for this but as soon as this match was finished, and we'll talk about the match in a second, but as soon as the match itself was actually finished, it took a good six matches before anything that had half the interest going in that that match did. And I felt that it kind of it kind of diminished the next five straight matches on the show because everything we're seeing, which if it had gone before, if it had been in a traditional New Japan show structure like you say, Carl, people on its own would have been excited for these things. Zack Sabre Jr. and Ishii, I was super looking forward to. You know, Bushi and Shingo... Uh, going for the, the junior tags, I was really looking forward to that match. But it was hard to, to get us into these things as I would have been under normal circumstances because it's just followed Osprey and Ibushi, one of the, you know, probably you know, possibly for a lot of people, one of the most anticipated matches on the show. I, I certainly think that. Yeah, I think they I, fucked that up. I, it's I, a WWE trope I hate. They didn't need it, and I think it backfired. I mean, I, my sort of personal views on, on Will Osprey is something. It's fair to say there are there will be people out there. Who would have looked forward to that match over any other? There yeah. would have been a good core, a core maybe the, the live audience, certainly a segment of the, of the viewing public. I don't blame him. Who yeah. would have looked forward to that match more than any other match on the card? So yeah, odd, odd placement. Um, in terms of the match, oh, there's the one big talking point for the match. We may as well go straight to the big yeah. talking point, really. Which everybody is, knows it was a sensational match. I enjoyed the hell out of it. But let's get to the talking point. Um, the talking point obviously being the, the concussion to Kota Ibushi. And I wondered if you'd heard anything since then, if you'd read anywhere, because I haven't yet. I assumed, right, you know, rightly or wrongly, that the concussion came from the Tree of Woe spot. Yes. And and when you watch it back, I, you know, somewhat pious of me to talk about whether or not, you know, how reckless you, you are and all that sort of thing <laughs> as wrestlers and but they're really and, and I know Japan, Japanese style is stiffer and you know they are more snug with the way that they'll hit but it just seemed incredibly reckless like he wasn't really pulling anything like he basically just full balling him in the full face full extension boot, of the foot which I just thought, leg. I thought was ridiculous yeah it was uh, it was it, it stunk the slap exchange when he's upside down again there were so many great little touches in the match and little cross ups of mm. spots that you expected little things like Osprey does the does the back flip off the ups into the ring and whilst he's doing his pose being a dick yeah Ibushi, Ibushi runs in to grab some, the arms you know, yeah lovely little things like that the, the constant reverses of the power bombs yeah. and the exchanges and uh, though there was one funny bit when they're, they're having a bit of a back and forth and uh, again my mate Liam knows knows of my view of Osprey before this match and the Spanish fly Oh yeah. Now he's never seen the Spanish fly before, and he looked at me and said, 
well, who did what to who then? I said, that's, <laughs> the po- that's why I don't like him. <laughs> that's the point. I don't like that movie. I don't, I've never liked the Spanish fly, especially from the standing, you know. Hmm. But yeah, it, yeah, it's just... The way... The way you have that trio, I, was, I know his face just slumps into that ring pose. When he picks him up. Yeah, yeah. you just think, oh, God. Oh, I hope, I hope this is near the end now. And then the, the German, the deadlift German spots right after, and then when that's when you see the first time when like actually realise that Bruce's nose is actually bleeding pretty bad again from those kicks. Yeah, yeah and he's more or less face planted the ring post as well. I, I, that might have been actually what busted his nose because it, it was I think he was just completely limp. And it was just then by the time you get to the the back elbow spot, and he's just he's slumped and he's clearly dead. Waiting, you can do a stoppage. In fact, in fact, I uh, for the benefit of those listening depending on, on how they what audio they went with the audio that I um, happened to have was, was the English audio and even sort of talked about refs, ref stoppage in the commentary mm. during the match yeah ref stoppage sounds, sounds, sounds about good sounds about right yeah he's dead left, he's dead right you can't turn him I'm not sure you should be moving him <laughs> but no he has to get the finisher in and you just think oh my f- Fucking life. <laughs> well, I'm sure it was. He's what clearly. Oh um, no, yeah, gotta get, gotta get that shit in. Gotta get the shit in. Gotta get your shit. In, I, I didn't think that. The, I think actually that would have been the better finish. Would be the the elbow to the back of head and the stoppage because not only for it's the, believable. Christ, I winced. Yeah, for the for the, it le- works. For the legitimacy of him actually having a concussion. I don't think they knew that at the time, but um, but the fact that it was just like if a boost is gonna lose, and you want to put Osprey over. I think that if you're see this is the thing it depends on what the intention of this match was this very much the way they did the stretcher job which was planned it reeked of I thought anyway if they thought Kenny was going which I think they did and I, I said this on the UK fan forum a few, about a few days before Wrestle Kingdom I actually said I don't know if anybody else is, pick, is reading the signals the way I am but I think that Kenny's going to AEW first as a, as a priority over New Japan just reading the tea leaves you can mm. kind of see you could see in the air and I thought when I watched this match it was one of the first times and there were two things happening on the show the first being Abushi losing in such convincing fashion in the stretcher job but when that happened it was a matter of that almost reads to me like they think if there's a chance he's not coming back this is the way to get him off yeah because who knows and, and, who knows and, at that point what's going to happen and in that sense a ref stoppage would work just as well which is what I mean but you basically knock the guy out yeah locked him out cold and maybe he yeah. doesn't come back I think that would have been better for the stretcher job anyway a knockout finish with the stretcher job why do you have to pin him no I didn't I didn't, uh, I didn't necessarily uh, appreciate that but but hey it is what it is great match um, it, it was but I wonder if it lived up to expectations I don't think it did in, in the fact that I think that people had expectations that were above and beyond what they were going to be able to do because I think that people expected pure insanity quite, quite this, possibly this yeah. was I hate to say this just an incredible match. I think I, something I'll something I'll touch upon as as we go forward. But I think it's a problem that's I'm not going to say it's unique to New Japan necessarily, but it's it's something that probably uh, they would suffer from more than most. Is that um, they would be a victim of expectations? I think mm-hmm. because in large part, when it comes to the the big shows and sort of the marquee matches. 
let's face it, we have been spoiled rotten. Oh, big time. Over the last few By years in terms of the quality Absolutely. that they've produced. And I think in some ways they've become a victim of, of the success there. Yeah, I think I think they are this is this is the table they've set and now they've got to eat at it, unfortunately. Is is mm. when you know Kotobushi does the G one and he you know, he does at least three that I seem to remember, Moonsaults off balconies on in, in, in matches in the G one this like, past year. Osprey hitting the, the moonsault off the, the light stand last year at Wrestle Kingdom. When you hear those two names together, it invokes these kind of images. And as it turns out, like I said, a very, very good match. But I think people had that thing of holding in reserve their emotions because they're waiting to see how good it's going to get. Yeah. And then obviously it's, it ends up being just a very, 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 very good match. Um, but we move now to the junior heavyweight tag team titles. And by the way, second title of about eight on this nine match card yep yep uh, it's, it's telling when you get to the Jay White Okada match and Kev, the Kev, only one. Kevin Kelly specifically references this is the only match on the card that doesn't have a title on the line you think oh good god sort that out yeah sort that out New Japan I, I, I've never been one for title overexposure in the first place you can justify some of them well, don't get me wrong. Well, you got I a mean, huge roster. I mean, so. I mean, we'll get, we'll get to Zack Saber Junior. and and um, and Ishii, but that didn't need to be Ishii, belt. But you know, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, you sort of give them a pass. It's the Rev Pro belt as a working relationship there. They want to, def- they, you know, it's nice for them to have that defended on the show, I guess. But but yeah, in terms of by the time you got to the US, title, US who the fuck cares? never open. Yeah, I, I'm not even a particularly big fan of the fact that they've got, yeah. You know, Junior tag belt. Neither am I, to be honest. Neither am I. I think, I think this is a the, it, this division has felt like a, a push too far for a long mm. time now, and, the, and especially because I think you need the depth in the in the main scene for the junior mm. titles, and I think, and we'll come to that later on. But uh, Bushi and Shingo come out looking fucking great in their respective costumes. Shingo <laughs> just looks the bomb in his gear. Rapungi three K come out and they've got their, their their wacky entrance with the with the fire extinguisher. With, with Rocky Rock, Romero on the, at the front, yeah. And then out come fucking Desperado and Kanamura looking like the most boring pair of bastards you've ever seen. Just fucking bland as fucking dishwater. We're here as well. <laughs> and this match, and, and I, I liked it in the same. And Bushi wrestled a t-shirt for most of the match. What the fuck are you doing at Wrestle Kingdom, Bushi? This, this this was all about Shingo, for me. And they structured the match like it was all about Shingo. Hmm. And then Shingo came in, looked ace, and won. And they're the champs. Noticeably shorter than expected. A lot of these matches end up being noticeably shorter than I expected. Well, yeah, a funny thing that I never. I didn't. I didn't necessarily time the show or anything, but just Neither as I had a time. general feel, it felt. You pro- probably someone will go back now and be able to look and say, "Well, really, it was only like fifteen minutes difference." But it felt considerably shorter than previous. It, it felt. Like, it felt an hour shorter to me, and that's because a lot of these matches, like what we're going to get to next, felt like they would have got an extra five, and that extra five for four or five matches makes a big makes that extra twenty five yeah. minutes difference. Um, uh, nothing against the match, but again, it's like it, we, when you've when you've just seen this more spectacular, more anticipated um, a match that you are. Oh, it almost sounds too sort of clinical, say, but a match that you're sort of hyping yourself up for in the build up to the show, in yeah. the days, the weeks and days ahead, and one that you're sort of thinking, you know, something that you're expecting to sort of lose yourself in. Mm-hmm. So when you sort of hype yourself up for that, there's, there's, there is going to be that that bit of a come down, so especially. Especially when 
it's a multi-man match and more specifically a multi-tag match it's belts people don't for, for, a, belt, for a belt about. that people don't yeah so I'm not yeah I'm, I'm, I'm not all over this and nothing wrong with the match at all Shingo looked great and to be honest it wouldn't surprise me if, it, if he's not long for this uh, junior tag scene I'd love to see him in the G1 this year actually I, I think that he's I don't want to see him wasted like this for, for that long and that's not, not a knock on all the you know there's some I, I like with Pungi 3K but I just think that Shingo is a singles guy give you some of that well it's, it's something the company may need to sort of accelerate more than they would normally due to circumstances yeah <laughs> moving on now Zack Sabre Jr. beats Tomohiro Ishii for the British heavyweight title uh, dressed in white with Taka Michinoku what do you think of this uh, I'm not sure how much you've seen of Taka and Zack as a combination uh, a fair, a fair with, bit with Taka as his ghetto bit, yeah th- throughout, throughout the G1 and I've seen a fair bit in truth um We we talked earlier about sort of Osprey and Ibushi and I can meet expectations, and this is one where I'm probably guilty of having too high expectations. Mm. I found it a little disappointing. I did too. Um, truth. And again, maybe maybe that stems from unrealistic expectations, and maybe in part because it felt short. And that's that's it, it for certainly me. felt short. And I yeah, I was I was sort of hunkering down for some for, for a good old good old fashioned re- wrestling match, you know. Uh, and and the story you sort of expect him to tell, you know, it's, it's going to be Zack Sabre Jr. doing what he does with his holds and sort of that touch of, of the sort of the I'll call it the regal element thrown in mm-hmm. there with the you know the digging of the elbows, the digging of the fists, all those nice little touches that I love. You know, you expect to see those sort of things, and at some point you're just going to see Ishii just waylay him. Yeah, absolutely waylay him. Which you know he did crumple a few times from those chops. He did. He did. Um, but yeah, it, just, it felt a bit short. It, sh- it was short, I, and, and, and maybe disappointing because I'm, I'm a big fan of both of them. Oh yeah, massive. Fan I of love both Ishii. Um, and whilst the ending felt like it came out of nowhere because I would expect it to go longer, it also stood me because I wasn't expecting Ishii to submit to quit. Which no, which I think would have been absolutely fine. Okay, this is the thing with this match. They did this match in G1, and it was better. It went longer. Yeah. It told a better story, and the finish they did, which was also a submission finish, where Ishii quit to Zack Saber, was done so much better because Ishii would hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You know, he's this tenacious little pit bull that he is, and then eventually Zack Saber fell into a Jujigatami, and Ishii just tapped out immediately because he, he had no choice, and it was he's like that was really well done because the whole thing is that this is the submission guru, but Ishii's tough as nails, and then when yeah. he finally does get him, it's the shock value of he actually managed to submit Ishii. And I just, like you said, it didn't have time to play out. It was it was getting good. The fans were kind of coming alive for what felt like the first time since the first match on the show. And then just as it was kind of starting to get to the level you'd think, it was over. That extra five minutes you expect from these New Japan classics, uh, it, it, it wasn't the case. And like you say, I, I agree. It was in terms of what you wanted it to be when you looked at the card on a piece of paper before the show started, it was a little mm. disappointing. So is what it is. Um, it was certainly not going to be outdone by the Gorillas of Destiny in the next oh. match. What what a oh. rogues gallery this was marching down the aisle in oh, their uh, well, their new attire, I, Carl. Yeah, something needs to be said about the whole superhero slash comic book influence on sport and on entertainment, on basically on popular culture in general. I am so sick to the back teeth of it's a special show. Let's dress up like a comic book character. What, 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 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm sure Mysterio will be in something for Mania when we get he's, to this year. It's his fault because he was the first one. Oh, oh, he was absolutely the first one in Mania 19. Oh, yeah. I'm forgiving him for that. Well, even dressing as the Phantom for Halloween Havoc back in the day against Eddie, you know? Oh, God, yeah. Of course. Not talking about Rick Rude in 91 either, by the way. No. No. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. That, that little that little pet peeve aside, I don't like it as a trope anyway. I like it even less when it's a trope that involves Tama Tonga. Your thoughts on Tama? I cannot stand him. I, I loved your explanation of the G1 where he was the turd in the punch bowl I think was the line you used Yeah, and I very much felt that way watching the G1 last year very much like that's a you know, great couple of blocks you know you have to get through the inevitable Toriyano sort of comedy match you know in most years and this that last year felt like well you're going to have to get through the Tam Tong match yeah I think that ever since I first saw Tamatonga and this would have been years and years and years ago I just from the, from the first time I ever saw him in New Japan I just thought this is he's such a try hard but it just feels like nobody cares <laughs> that's good I just, you know when you had sort of the he's not the, he's terrible or anything he's just no, no one cares but I mean, when, you, when you had the back and forth in the last year between you know, the elite and the OG and all that sort of thing yeah. as it pertains to the bullet club it, very much the vibe of Look, there's Tamatonga and the B team. Mm-hmm. It's like this is Stevie Ray, yeah, leading the NWO B team. And yeah, no, don't get me wrong, he can move better than Stevie Ray, who's more or less immobile at the best of times. But even so, it, it's just an odd one to me because I sit there and I don't really see much in you at all. I don't think most people care about you. Yet it seems there are people within management of the company who clearly see something in you, whether or not that's part of sort of you know grasping more of an American audience perhaps I, I don't know but I just don't I just don't see it and don't really care for it I mean this is, a, this, this is a guy who worked so hard to try and get an online beef going with Roman Reigns and still no one cared and Jim Ross and Jim Ross and still no one cared yeah. so uh, keep trying Tama um, I hope something clicks for him one day but uh, this, this this incarnation of the Gorillas of Destiny with Jado in his um, what was that <laughs> What was that? <laughs> and bad luck, Farley in his white sneaks. Oh, he couldn't. He couldn't. You know, where, why wasn't he in the multi-man match? You know, the, 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 on the pre-game show, the, the match where you get the vibe of these are the people who aren't happy to be here who are just going to phone it in. Yeah, that screamed phoning it in. <laughs> yeah. So at least uh, he wasn't wrestling, I suppose. At least he wasn't wrestling again. Some fantastic looks at evil coming out, looking like a fucking bastard. Apart from the fact that he kept fucking with his hood. Yeah. Yeah, come on, man. you got, you got to sort that shit out if you're going to do it. Just like that. Young Bucks, there to do the job. And uh, Evelyn Sonata, I like Sonata. I like Sonata. I like Sonata he, he a lot. Sort of, you get the sense he sort of had... He had his sort of coming out party last year in the singles match with Okada. Yeah. And and yet, yeah, they don't they don't rush things. Had a great things. G1. Had a great G1. And they don't rush things, but you sort of, you know... It, it was kind of much through last year, you sort of okay, yeah, this is, this is someone they're now going to start to really invest in, putting him in there with Okada, making sure he has a nice showcase in the G1. And obviously, you know, now, they've got the, uh, now they've got the tag belts. But, um, but yeah, I, I like Sonata. I like Sonata. I like Evil, but less. Um, 
it's just again it's that thing of they, they won the belts last year as well at the Dome is this going to be their kind of pre- this is something New Japan does get into sometimes is the typecasting yeah uh, and, a, and a precursor to, which okay. is fine because I like the hierarchy I like the sense of hierarchy in wrestling yeah. it's very important but yeah, I think that but there, there are they can be accused of being a bit slow to the party at times yes so. I, I, always, I always think a, a good sort of a previous example to that would be Goto and Shibata yeah uh, you know winning and tag belts fighting each other always over sort of the open way mm-hmm. you know you can you can pull the trigger I'm not saying put the I'm not saying put the IWGP belt on them but Shibata I would have considered it Sh- though Shibata you God he was fucking great and, and by the time we're, and I know there, there was there's political reasons behind yeah, the, way, the, yeah. way, why, the reasons Shibata was treated the way he was but it's just sort of frustrating when you sit there and think for years yeah he's he's good to go he, he, he should be focused on in that sort of that, that top rung of people that they've got within the company yeah. and then by the time they actually finally sort of make them, let bygones be bygones and we have a great match and yeah, the headbutt spot, and, and it's over. And yeah, and there you go. Bitterly so, disappointing. Bitterly disappointing, and I hope that that's not the case with Sonada because I really think that, especially this year, this this could be a big year for him. I just I'm not sure if they'll go for it. But a guy that they have big designs on did go over in the next match with Juice well, Robinson. And, and, and this the is US and this title. is one before before we even get into the news. This is one where they're wrong. Juice, they're wrong. Yeah, they're wrong on Juice. <laughs> you don't see it. No. He's, he's, the flamboyant. He's, he's he's the orange juice that has the bits in, not the orange juice that's smooth. <laughs> yeah, I. Just, I, I, don't, I, I don't. You, do you subscribe to the feeling of his promos being really good? They're they're better, they're better than they were, um, and I, it's, I, I suppose it's easy accusation to sort of throw at myself um, in terms of the way I perceive wrestling, but. If your promos can be great don't get me wrong and, and yeah your, your promos draw money in wrestling but when I want to sort of get immersed in something I want it to you know to me the promos are great but they do they are the build up to what's supposed to happen in the ring and with him I just yeah I mean the best one he, the best one he did was the one that was building up the Jay White match because it was building up a match but we, I, I, maybe they, that's just an element of his game they need to focus on a little bit more rather than just having him be and then just putting him in situations yeah. like this with Cody where to be honest I don't think that anybody really gave a fuck about this match even though Juice you know, if, if they'd have maybe put him in a position to do some promos like that people yeah. wouldn't care but, they, but they, either way they didn't so yeah and, and this match being designed the way it is was clearly a, a you know, you know Cody's not committed to the company you know he's not staying so it's a vehicle to, to really get juice over strong but the fans weren't invested in this no and to me this is a match you put on first this was the match I would have probably gone on first I mean, and, and particularly when it comes to say the US title that's very much sort of regressed to the mean as it were boy has it ever from where it started to where it is now from Kenny yeah to juice and again they've got they got high hopes for juice but I don't think this belt is is again on a show like this what does it what's it matter that he's the US champion everyone's a fucking champion everyone's a champion it, it's a prime candidate for a for a merging of belts with the intercontinental yeah Just, um, absolutely and then to you know forget about it frankly <laughs> I, 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 well, I, I understand the thought process of the company you know Omega's strong we want to focus on him 
but we're not ready to put the world title on him yet and by the same token we want a foothold of some sort in America so a US title crowning him so, you know as an, as an idea I think it's a perfectly good idea but, mm. but there are too many belts and now that, that story's kind of played out you're left with it that story's like you've still got it and I don't a bit like the European title you know you yeah. crown Bulldog and, and there you, you know, go there great you go. analogy um, but and in all honesty they don't need a US title to have a foothold in it the US title is not going to get one new fan <laughs> to come and see New Japan wrestling in the States just because they got the United just because they got a US belt you know you've got more chance of, you know the audience you get over there initially is the audience you're going to get initially mm-hmm. building sort of a I hate the word brand but building the brand over there will come from just having the strong shows and a bit more of the old fashioned word of mouth through friends you know, I went the last time I was over here you've got to come along you know that's the way you're going to grow yeah. and get more eyeballs on New Japan World you know again through word of mouth fans have gone to the live show plug the hell out of it while you're over there yeah Get get the word spread. The US title is not going to not going to matter in the grand scheme of things. For no, that, not a single think. hill of beans. And yeah. I think the Cody in his uh, Jacksonville Jaguars coloured uh, gear gets a got a little chuckle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real subtle foreshadowing <laughs> there, wasn't it? <laughs> I bet that went down a treat. Yeah, just don't ask him how the season went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speak. speak How's things up for them? Speaking of investments in the wrong people, Blake Bortles is <laughs> looking in your direction. Uh, any of our American listeners will enjoy that I'm sure I enjoyed it so with that said it's now time for are you ready Carl another title match Taiji Ishimori beats Kushida uh, for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship fantastic entrance here with Taguchi making his second appearance on the show as Doc Brown this time which he's done before but uh, freaky mask on the child (laughs) yeah I'll let that one slide I thought it was good I liked it I liked it I like Kushida I'm sad to see him go well, well, this this is one I wanted to ask you about the sort of, you know, the the the, the match itself. What, what, what did you generally think of the match? I thought it was. I thought the exact same thing about this match. That I thought about Zack Saber Nishi, which is that if this went a few minutes longer and this built a little more, this could get there. Yeah, and but again, not not bad. I'm not, 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 saying, bad not saying it's bad. Not, nothing bad about but, it. Yeah. But just nothing. You're left that, wanting more. Yes, no, nothing here that made you feel like you got the most out of these guys on the big show of the year, which is I think is never a good feeling to have, especially when the precedent's been set. You know, we we, we expect, and maybe it's you know, like I say, they set the table for this. But Kashida and Taiji Ishimori in this spot too, this high on the card, where you put Osprey and, and fucking Ibushi that far back to the start mm. of the show. At this point in the show, you want the stuff that's starting you, to you're build. Hit, you're hitting those marks. You're hitting the marks, and you're hitting them higher and higher each time because that's the way the show is going. That's what you expect from the vibe of a New Japan show. And because, again, this one, much like the previous four, is it? No, five matches, it is fine, but doesn't hit the, the peak that you would hope it would hit. And, uh, and again, Ishimori wins. It's over. Bloody I, cross. There you go. Yeah, and you have... I always think you have that sense that sense of what if is even more profound when you, you bear in mind Kushida's now going mm-hmm. there's a strong chance Ibushi's going so when it comes to matches like that you think well there's no obvious sign on the horizon that we're going to get the chance to 
do the rematches. To do those rematches and, and, and get what you hoped for out of them. And I think Ishimori needed to have that type of a match, to be honest. You know, he, he's come in, he's done well, but I don't, you know, and he's, he's very good. He's in fucking great shape. He looks the part, he, he wrestles well. I just think that he needed, the, I really felt that this was like his chance to have that kind of blow away match. But like a Takahashi, like a Hiromu Takahashi, has you know, had several times when he was going, you know, yeah. when, when he was kind of rising to the ranks and he beat Kushida. It's like that feels like what is needed here is that kind of, wow, this guy is one of the better guys on the show type of vibe from Ishimori, and I didn't get it. And that's not necessarily because he's not good enough to do that. It's just that in this spot, he really didn't come close. Yeah, I like to. I don't know, and there's a, a more particular sense of sadness with Kushida going because unless I'm mistaken the rumours are it is to the E and it's NXT and we know what's going to happen there yeah he'll probably be profiled very well it'll be great while he's there maybe and we, <laughs> there's yeah, a log jam there, there, are, there is a log jam but let's say it, it goes through sort of the, the normal um, the normal stages of he does well there entertaining while he's there he's kept there far longer than he should be and then by the time he is eventually called up he'll be used in the same way that everybody else is used called up from NXT and you'll just think I wish they hadn't called him up <laughs> I wish he was still in New Japan I'd say I, I, for me it'll be he'll be on NXT I'll enjoy him while he's there and then when he gets called to 205 live I won't see him anymore because well, I don't no, watch that show. No, I don't watch it. No, simple as that. And that's going to be tragic because he's too good for that. And I and I don't say that to be belligerent. No, neither do I. Just, I say that sadness. There's there's, there's just a lot of wrestling out there, and frankly, I'm not going to invest in 205 Live when they don't. Invest when they in. don't. Why should I? You don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. In no. this landscape, you can't afford to to, to have that no. attitude. Um, and like you say, it's sad because like Kashida's been a cornerstone for this division for so long. He was never as charismatic as a as a Hiromu. He was never as spectacular as an Osprey. Or an Ibushi or, any, or anything like that, but I think he was just—he's been so solid and so underrated for so long. Had so many great matches uh, in the best of the Super Juniors tournaments. And, and now that he's general. not there, it will become self-evident. It will become very evident because I don't, like I said, I didn't—I don't think that Ishimori got enough out of this. I don't think unless Shingo moves straight into that spot, which I'm not sure if they're going to want to do that fast. I think that this belt's going to be in a bit of a holding pattern until Hiromu gets back, and God knows when that's going to be, and God knows what that's going to be when, uh, he, when he comes back. Uh, yeah, if he comes back, uh, and yeah. If, if he comes back, and let's be optimistic and say he does come back, what are we getting? Yeah, and that's not a knock on him. It's just you know something like that. Yeah, you know how how will the body hold up? So at this point in the show, I was enjoying the show because everything was good. Like I said, nothing was bad, but there was that little twinge of you know as much as I was looking forward to this show and as good as this stuff has looked on paper, nothing has been as bit you. Apart from the opener, yeah. And the way I look at it is enjoyable, but in terms and uh, spoiler, I haven't seen all thirteen Wrestle Kingdoms. As far as Wrestle Kingdoms go that I've seen, this would be bottom of the list. Possibly. I mean, I, I, I could probably think of one ones a few years ago, like the, the, the around the time like eight and nine, where I've eh, no seven and eight. I'm probably thinking of where the undercards were really just kind of. Fair. Mm. Um, this is when, like, you had your MVPs on the roster and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I can see why. Like in fairness, th- these are cards I haven't seen. But I think if people people have who have seen all thirteen, I'm sure could point to it and say, "Yeah, we'll go back and watch those, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and, and then come more. back to us." And, yeah, and well, that's fair enough. And just when that's the feeling, 
here comes fucking Okada in his fantastic emperor gold coat the ori- making it rain making it rain with the money the original music no fucking no no horse bollocks I'm, the hoping, I'm hoping they've given up on they that. have thank it's God. over he comes out he rips off his fucking coat he rips off the, the the little dress thing to reveal the shorts are back everybody goes fucking crazy and it becomes immediately apparent that okada is the first person on this show that they are reacting to like a genuine superstar more so and again I think that's I think that's kind of bad because I think they could have got that for Osprey and, uh, and Ibushi if they'd have put that on right before this um, yeah, yeah and, and Okada yeah. still would have gotten the same great reaction as soon as he came out looking the because, way he did because he's Okada and he's a, a modern god he is against Jay White Switchblade who they have very big designs on a chic new white yeah. attire yeah okay right Liam help me here okay please tell me tell me why I'm wrong on Switchblade. Tell me why I'm wrong on Jay White and, and explain to me what I'm missing that they see because this is, I would argue, it's one of the weakest Okada matches I've ever seen. Really? I didn't like the match. Wow, I did. I don't, I don't, I, and yet maybe maybe personal sort of view, view does tinge on. I don't like Jay White. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think what he does in the ring he does particularly well. He's got no, oh, he's dull as dishwater doesn't project well at all he's, he's got he's, that face he's got nothing about him he's, a, he's got a touch of and don't get me wrong I'm not saying he's as bad as this person from a wrestling standpoint but he's, he's in, terms of a, in terms of a personality or more specifically lacking a personality he's a small Baron Corbin Oh, he's, he has, oh, he has no. no he has absolutely nothing about him okay so so help me Liam why why am I wrong I think that why your criticism of the match itself is a little unfair okay because I did think this was a really good match because but, like you I'm not a big fan of Switchblade I'm not I don't believe that he is the answer and we'll, again we'll come to this because the, the, the results everything about it it's probably going to get brought up earlier than makes sense in our, in our show format here but it's, it's kind of come to the forefront here in this discussion Okada's awesome I thought that he was awesome in this match. I thought that Jay White did hold up his end of the bargain because I think that a lot of the stuff they were doing towards the end as it built for that final four minutes was getting really good. Um, and I and, and, the, and that's the thing, that the, the difference in the reactions from a guy like Okada to a guy like Jay White. Obviously, Okada's got the, the, the build, the background, everything like that. And Jay White is kind of... The way I kind of see it is it's funny to put Ghetto with him because he's in the same position that I see Okada as being in on that that first match with Tanahashi it took Okada one match with Tanahashi to get over the way he ended up getting over and it's obviously built in time Jay White had his match like that here a guy that doesn't feel like he fits the gimmick he's got he feels like there's a natural charisma void you can see that there's good athletic talent there this, this all is very reminiscent of Okada in the beginning He's had his win now. He's had that big moment. It was this, by beating Okada the way he did. And unlike that match with Okada, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced on Jay White at all. Uh, I've got a more damning criticism, a, a more, maybe a more damning comparison than yours with Corbin, but that seems impossible after hearing that. I was going to say that. But I, I, I thought that everything about this match that I liked was Okada <laughs> to be quite blunt everything that I thought the timing of it the pacing of it the 
the, the escalation of Okada's facial expressions, the way that he reacted to the crowd when they started coming alive, the way that, that things were building and building. Okada's going for the rainmaker, but it keeps getting countered, keeps getting countered. Nice Uranagi from Jay White that was the you know, plant you know, planted him, and when he hit the the Blade Runner and just pinned him, I had multiple you- things going through my mind, <sighs> and two of them chiefly. Number one was I can't fucking believe they've done that. Because this felt I, like I don't think, I don't, should win. I don't think the crowd there could believe no. it. No one, no one was... And like... I can't speak to the first Okada Tanahashi match. My memory's not that good. Um, but... It felt like it really flattened the crowd. It's okay, really flattened the crowd. This is the thing with a guy like Okada, who's, like I said, the first guy on the show, on the show that really got this, a genuine... That is a top superstar type of reaction. And Jay White, you frankly, didn't get that. And, and they've been pushing Jay pretty hard. They had him beat Okada and Tanahashi in the G1. They've been pretty much giving him the one-up over Okada in the entire build. And he went, and it felt like, okay, Okada's back is the Rainmaker. He's got the fucking blonde hair back. He's got the shorts back. Yeah. He's back in Okada mode. It's time to see classic Okada. He's going to fucking beat this guy and then return to glory. And he loses. And, and I don't... I, I didn't Again, there's something about Jay White's face, as insulting as this sounds... Where he just looks, just—he looks gormless. He looks gormless. He does. He, he, he looks, his face. His, he looks just, vapid. Yeah, just to touch on Okada. Okada can look like a bit of a blank canvas when a match gets started. Wait, well, started. And as you say, it changes. Mm-hmm. It conveys emotion. George, Jay White basically just there's just nothing there. It's, it's like he has that look. There's the lights are on, are they? There's no one home, and it just and it doesn't change. No. Nah. And I, and I don't know. This is like I said, it's, it's it's charisma. It's a, it's a missing charisma that you can't. Okada, you don't you de- don't you don't you don't develop charisma. No, but you can you can grow into presence. Yes, and Okada did. Yeah, Jay White has not grown into the presence yet. And and they've given him all the bells and whistles. They've given him big wins over top names. They've given him the fucking music, the gimmick, ghetto. They've given him a lot, and I'm just not feeling it. And then it's like last year, he's re- yeah. I, last year he, he comes in. He's not. He's been with the company. What a cup of coffee, and he's wrestling Tanahashi straight. Mm-hmm. So that didn't work. So, no, and it didn't work then. But at the time, you can sit there and go, okay. He's and he new. improved. Don't get me wrong. Over the course of this last year, he, he clearly felt more natural. He felt more natural in the match with Juice. Uh, I think he felt. He still felt more natural in this than he did originally. I do think. Mm-hmm. I, do, I do. This is this is the thing with him. It's like I can't. I do think there's improvement. I think there's a chance he can grow into it a bit more. I don't see top guy. I see the guy that gets beat by the top guys, and that's it. Well, that's going to be the incredibly curious thing going forward. It is, and that's why this felt... I think that's why this killed the crowd, because this didn't fit with what I think these two guys are. And and this, this to me, was an Okada victory that should have been and wasn't. But we'll come more to Switchblade soon, because on New Year's Dash, it became uh, more apparent just how strong they're going with this. And the, the thing I mentioned before about... The two things that kind of sparked my my mind mm. on this show was number one, Abushi losing in the fashion he did, made me think, hmm, interesting. And when as soon as Jay White pinned Okada, it was almost the first gut feeling I had. Other than what, wow, that was surprising. Is Omega's going? Omega's going. That's why they're doing. That. They're positioning White. Yep, to be the next top which, foreign star. Which again, and I've been very critical of. Omega in the past but even I'm not ignorant enough to not see talent there and 
to just be able to sit there and look at a compare and contrast sort of exercising you cannot shoehorn Jay White into that Kenny Omega absolutely role. not I don't think there's a prayer not a prayer uh, we'll move along because we will come back to this topic uh, but moving along Tetsuya Naito over Chris Jericho in an ODQ match 4 yep another championship this time the IC belt um, in a no, yeah, like we said no DQ match I love this this was good I love this, this was match good. this was re- I mean I don't know if people uh, I know that people have been debating whether this was better than Omega and Jericho last year it's tough but I really like this just the there were a few of those moments where it's the pile driver on the ramp which just jeez it didn't look like there was much of a gap there did it there wasn't a gap no Fucking, you could see you could see the, the hair ripped Jesus. out of Jericho's head Jesus uh, the DDT on the table where Naito just fucking went for it it's like I, I hate to say this if he hasn't got a neck injury in the next two years I'll be floored because the mm. amount of head bumps that guy takes he does, yeah a lot like there was one that like in the G1 that no one even remembers where like he he was against the Bushi and the Bushi reversed the Destino like in mid-air upside down and just like yeah. glancing with a reverse brain buster it's like no one remembers that but that had to fucking kill and stuff like that here as well like, this guy Naito better be careful and and you know, in, in fairness to, to Jericho you know even if the dad bod is becoming more pronounced these days he still moves bloody well he still does still got a lovely moonsault yeah the lion salt's still sharp as ever hmm. so uh, yeah I, I, what do you think about the face paint by the way I couldn't help but get the feeling he was supposed to be going for the look of someone there that I should know but don't like an Alice Cooper type of thing yeah but a little bit more crooked yeah I almost looked and thought he's, this this, this is almost clockwork orange a, deal a clockwork it's a callback to something but you're not sure exactly but I'm what. not entirely sure what and I thought yeah but um Again, no, it's, it's it's sort of it's the vicious Jericho, that, which I like, that, that, and that you don't really see very often, or certainly didn't see very often in um, WWE. I liked it though. And I thought that Naito in this role, I I liked it especially because as things escalate, that you know the chairs come in and everything like that near the end, those near falls were so brilliant. And I loved, I fucking loved the second code breaker near fall because he did the first one, and it, this is like a Jericho match layout trick where he'd always do the walls of Jericho and as as soon as he does it the first time the crowd's into the match completely the rest of the way because they know that move is it's a staple of Jericho it means something yes it always means something it could be it could end the match later on so as soon as he does it the first time it escalates and I love that they did that first code breaker so that later on after more and more stuff has happened that second one which was the real near fall that he was going for got so so much bigger reaction he's like oh okay we've seen the first one because that's kind of an, again another New Japan trick that we'll see later on they did in the main event too particularly with with, with Wrestle Kingdom shows with Wrestle Kingdom yeah. and I mean there were multiple you know guys doing each other's moves spots on this show don't get yeah. me wrong but a, a staple that you'll see in a Tanahashi or Okada match usually is if a guy kicks out of a finisher that move is going to end the match later the second one will do it because they don't cheapen the finishes if, yeah. if you're going to kick yeah. out of one then you're yes. also going to lose to it later yeah we, we, we want to we want a false finish that can be credible by the same token we don't want to completely water down the move f- the move so yes so I think that's why it worked so well in this setting as, as subtle as it is that the second Cobra get also didn't work it was just it was such a great touch and then of course Naito wins and the hit with the belt yeah the tossing the belt aside sort of you know classic yeah. classic Naito and, and yet the one thing I do wonder about coming away from this match when we talk about sort of a ceiling being put on people and and you know 
give the credit their the, the credit their due. Yeah, give the company the credit their due. Their IC title does mean something. They oh, do yeah. have prominent names hold it. But I do wonder if we're kind of at that stage where Naito, a bit like Nakamura back in the day, is going to be it's a speaking, great of, comparison. speaking of hitting his head on things. He's going to be sort of hitting his head constantly against that ceiling, and that's that's what the impression. That's the yeah, feeling you know, I got here, and because because you can uh, sorry just you, no no you're, because you can have a point at a Wrestle Kingdom where okay he doesn't beat Okada because the well. I, I think this argument sort of been watered down at the time, but it was a perfectly credible argument by by G at the time. Notice I say that when he's not here. <laughs> um, it's about the the company ace, whoever that is at the time, doesn't lose a wrestling. Yeah, doesn't lose doesn't lose in the big show. The ace is protected until it's time for them to just to, to not be in that spot anymore. Yeah. I think that's been watered down somewhat by the way Okada has been treated. That's what shocked year, me. Yeah, you know, sort of going forward since he's lost the belt, and but. You know, I, I can perfectly see a rational argument for he's not winning the belt there but I expected him to win it later in the year at some stage then and it didn't happen yeah and now, and now he's got the the same belt he had you know seven eight months ago yeah two years ago two years, Tanahashi. two years ago you think, and yeah it's almost like when we think company aren't going to pull the trigger on him at any point are they no they're going to do with him what they did with Nakamura it's going to be you, you might dip in and out but he's he's here he's not the ace he's not going to be the ace and uh, ah, that's that's unfortunate which is something I personally find even more galling when you think of the treatment Jay White is getting yes and again uh, and the, the, I think that again we'll come to this because there's a lot of there's a lot of things that really kind of come out in the fallout of this show mm. that we'll get to but it is time obviously to talk about the main event and probably the more Shocking, uh, not shocking, that's probably the wrong word, but the more overt example of this where Hiroshi Tanahashi beats Kenny Omega to win the IWGP title. A finish that I think a lot of people expected, and I think in, as, as the run up to the show, and like I said, kind of reading the tea leaves of Omega leaving, it certainly seemed like there was a good chance that this was going to be the outcome. Not a lot of surprise well, necessarily, but I don't have a problem with that. I think on the surface, had all elite wrestling not been announced, I think there would have been more intrigue um, in, in the build up. I would have assumed Omega wins. Yeah. Um, as soon as they announce that, you sit there and think, "Is he? Is he going to stay? His contract's coming up. How big is this All Elite thing going to be? Are they going to have people tied down to exclusives? It, it sounded like they were. Yeah. So if he loses, does that mean he's going? So you sort of sit and think, with that uncertainty surrounding him. Yeah, they're probably not going to commit to him. They're going to go with Tanahashi. And but yeah, that being said, I love Tanahashi. Tanahashi's fucking. I, I love I the guy. I adore Hiroshi Tanahashi. Having said that, I will say that there were moments in this match when I'm watching him, and I was watching him when he came down the aisle, and he does his usual little hop skip on the apron mm. on, the, on the on the ramp as he comes down for the big shows. He's been doing it forever, and he just did it with a little bit more of a limp. The <laughs> and I, the, throughout the match, the the sling blade. Yeah. It's not looking as pristine as it once did. <laughs> no, not as sharp as it once did. No. You notice when I, I watch him, I just notice, you know, he runs the ropes a lot less. Um, again, his sling blade, his, his, his run and hop over the top rope to get to the high fly flow, he's been kind of 
missed time in that or not being able to get over the top rope as easily as he once did. I mean, you consider some of the injuries he's had over the don't last few him. years. Yeah. Yeah. Don't blame him. Don't blame him. But again, when it, for, for a guy like that, fuck me. I thought this match was so great. This, but, this was uh, the reason I was really excited uh, about this show and I was very, very... Uh, validated I thought with how good this match was this was fucking well, cracking I, in part because I think it, you, know, it, you can make the case that you know, Alcadra and Mega were wonderful matches but you saw a lot of them yep and these are two that have been kept relatively far apart so there's, there's more of an anticipation there on that basis and this is one bit where as a general rule of thumb I prefer listening to the Japanese commentary because no I do not speak Japanese I do not understand the words they are saying but the manner in which they are saying them it's is engrossing exciting. yes it is um, but I will say you know, the American commentary on this with um, Callis and, uh, and Kevin Kelly was excellent at, at, at telling the story of Tanashi with the, the grace and having the class and, and Omega being more of the embittered even since he's won the belt. Oh, the, 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 and, pre, and the, so, the video, yeah, the, the video yeah. before the show. And so they play, the to, they play to that with a table spot where Tana, you know, and so it emphasizes something where Tanahashi is initially going to throw him on it. No, throws no. him in the ring. Yeah, and it, you know, it helps touch on those things beautifully. And they did an excellent job of conveying that to the point where obviously when you get the spot where he goes for the frog splash through the table and misses, you think, oh, geez, he's crashed and burned. And you've got Kel- Kevin Kelly screaming around. You know, he's 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 going. He's wrestling Omega's match here, and Cal is sort of between sort of half shilling for Omega and, and calling the match in the sense of yeah, you know, playing up the notion. Oh, you talk about grace and class and that sort of thing, and you know, you, you, you know, you'll go to just any level as well. So sort of things. It was a wonderful dynamic for for those sort of spots that they touched upon yeah. throughout. Yeah, and, and and the beautiful thing is, I got the same. I got the same story in a different language. I watched a completely different language, and I, the, the same thing conveys to me too. The whole thing of the, 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 the promo video before the match, where Omega's like, "Next year, job about Royal, <laughs> about Tanahashi." So that's fucking great. And then they, yeah, as, as they start and they, they do that, yeah, Omega's the one that chucks him over the barricade. And Omega's the one that's beaten on him on the floor. And Omega's the one that knocks over the announcer and all this and, stuff. And, and raises the arm and raises the, the arm the, 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 and the, 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 does just. The, just Demonstrating the clear sort of disrespect and disregard of sort of norms or traditions, yeah, type of thing. Just, and yeah, exactly. And just like that little hint of that kind of the goofy behavior, if you will, that usually, to be quite honest, this is the stuff that like we get on Omega mm. 4 sometimes that, that can annoy the hell out of me, yeah, done but, right, yeah, and, and a brilliant match, and wasn't as overbearing, no, no, as it can be when he lets when he sort of. Less so in the big matches, but in typical, say, New Year's Dash, as an example, the next day you think, oh, God, just give it a rest, sort of thing. <laughs> but, but, but this is, you know, this is a sort of match where he's, you know, keeps a lid on it. Mm-hmm. These sort of sarky, goofy elements that he, traits that he has, worked in the context Always, of this match, yeah. showing the disrespect by, you know, I'll raise the announcer's arm and then just sort of point mockingly at Tanahashi and. Yep. And again, it just it got going. Less, less, less of the annoying little things that some people don't like, like the the, the million V triggers. They kind of uh, dialed down to a minimum. I I fucking love the dragon screw. The first dragon screw in Omega is like on the ropes, and he, like dragon screws his knee into the ground. The pop. Oh so yeah. You're not getting that in a WWE show. No, you're not. Because everyone's pop, like, yeah. The pop for that trigger. Ah. Okay. It's almost a bit like. It's a little bit like Brett. Mm. 
I always think that was it's, it's a bit like Brett and the fight and the the five minutes. You know, when he when he hits that backbreaker and it goes to the to the elbow drop from the second or anything, you know, and you feel that build when he hits a dragon a dragon screw leg, and you know, it's not as if the crowd don't like go ballistic. Which like, ah, yeah, okay. He's now got them. Yeah, he's got them now. Yeah, yeah. Now, now it's fucking. Now he's on the road to victory because this is what he does. He always starts hitting those dragon screws. He's gonna go for the clover leaf. He's gonna start going for the high fly flow. Yeah, the talk he gets on that clover. Oh man, doesn't he oh. just? He fucking. He gets that wide base. He squats down. Yeah. He's break. He's going for the. He's going for the kill. But again, again, like we said before about the the, the tropes. High fly flow kicks out, finishes the match later on, and I, I, yeah, you can you Miss, could, misses it in the big spot. Misses yeah. it. Oh, raises his knees. That looked like it fucking killed. I don't know if he, if he, you know, people were saying it was perfect timing. It looked like that fucking killed. Tanahashi hits that frog splash. He landed on the point of Omega's knees, and that just yeah. looked nasty. So uh, yeah, speaking of which, the bits that killed Omega's um, dive early on. Oh yeah, nice catch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was the uh, the uh, Mike Mizan school of catching, I believe. Mm. Yeah, not so sure about that. But again, in terms of, and I think this is the thing, the last three matches, White and Okada, I liked a great deal. I know that you said you didn't think it was as good as, as, as Okada's other big matches. Possibly wasn't. And again, it was shorter. It was only about 14 minutes or something like that, wasn't it? It wasn't, it wasn't long. Naito Jericho was what I was hoping it would be in a best case scenario. And this was what I was hoping it would be in a best case scenario. This was the match I was most excited for because... I've been watching a lot of Tanahashi lately. Obviously, just been watching forever anyway, but just going back and watching the catalogue of his matches in the last couple of months just to kind of get in the vibe of him going for the belt one more time. It's like, this guy, as a psychologist, in terms of timing of knowing what to do, when to do it, to get the, the most reaction out of the crowd, he never fails in matches like this. I love watching him. And, and I don't, you know, I don't... He's so good. I don't, I don't care if it's overplayed, and I don't care if we end up seeing... Tanahashi Okada 208 this year I want to see it again I'm going to love it I want to see it I'm going to absolutely love it I loved it in G1 this year I was like oh these yeah, they're going to do this match again I hope they're not burning it out by doing it too much that 30 minute draw loved, I love that match so much so great no, Tanahashi so, trying to get that, no, that last yeah, high fly flow in the bell ring yeah because like, you, you, oh, you yeah. sit there and think well god they've kind of done this match to death you know before, beforehand mm-hmm. then the second the bell goes and they're both so fucking good and you think I don't care I don't care yeah I'm going to eat steak every night <laughs> so with that said that kind of runs down the entire card general thoughts uh, all told when the show is over how do you think the show kind of sits in uh, comparison to others um, I, I don't want to sound like I'm being overly critical of it you know, which is a nice change of pace for me mm. you know, new year and all that jazz yeah um it wasn't a bad show at all, but you know there were some good matches there, particularly the last two. But it just felt like something was missing. And I think just a, a little bit. I think a big part of that was match order. I, I, I'm still chalking it up to that. I think that the the, the choice to have Okada lose and to have Osprey on first with Kotobushi, I think. I think it created this atmosphere where the show is always going to feel like it was a step behind and it may, it, maybe it didn't necessarily always have to be that way but when you're going to make those time cuts the way you were doing combined with the show order I think that this was one of the rare New Japan shows where they actually didn't get the most out of their guys and they usually do um, but this is a, a rare case where they didn't which again happens on WWE shows when they build their shows this way 
So you, you, you I hate to say it, but you kind of you got what you asked for. Mm. Apart from the fact that the the main events did get to deliver completely and yeah. did. Um, so in comparison to the Wrestle Kingdoms of, of years past, probably not as good as the last couple, but uh, still a damn good show. I think and, and, people are going to be like I say, I think, um, I think we're, you know, I'm guilty of being spoiled. Yeah. You know, and, I, you know, and sometimes, as, as a result, you have probably unrealistic expectations. So, you know, it's... Well, let's come to the fallout, because the aftermath and the real-world news was... The carnage. The car- Yeah, was as interesting and as as thought-provoking, and it still is. However, not a lot of that happened on New Year's Dash, because on New Year's Dash, it was it was a weaker effort than the previous years. You, did, you got no big story. And again, we can say we're spoiled by years past, but it's the standard they've set. Mm. Um, so no big debuts, no big twists or turns in the story, really. Um... The best match on the show was easily the, the, the six-man with Kushida, Nagata, and Jeff Cobb against Ishii, Goto, and Osprey. But even that was kind of a little bit... I, I like the idea they're setting up the uh, the Ishii-Nagata stuff. That could be that, That's a match that I'm looking forward to when they do that down the line. That's going to be fun. That's going to be great. But the match that I was actually looking forward to the most when this was over was Kushida versus Will Osprey for the Never title, which, of course, they're not going to do because they, they, those two work together so well. And, and, and that kind of made me a little bit sad for Kushida because, again, we know he's going... And I think he's going because he maybe I think he may get the sense that he's done everything he can do, and just seeing the six man tag, it's like they could easily put him in a never open weight title match. They could easily boost him up. I bet, yeah, I think they, yeah, they could have put him in G one. He didn't have to win a ton of matches, but I think he would still look good. And I think that, that this is kind of a uh, this is a sad one for Kashida because it feels like a bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah, I just and it's just that that sense of given given the track record of WWE where he's going you just think it's not for greener it, it well maybe I'll maybe I'll be proven wrong maybe there'll be more focus on someone like him if I'm being completely sort of cold and brutal about it I think the only way we're going to experience that sort of change is when Vince is gone and I think we all know there's only one way Vince no longer has his fingerprints over that product <laughs> um, Shane finally kills him well, yeah. <laughs> No, but yeah, not not wanting to dwell on that too much. It, it's just that that sense of, and again, I'll, I'll call back to Nakamura's it's this idea of, I don't think he's leaving for greener pastures. No, and so I just, you'd like to think he's getting recompensed well, but I, I've no idea what they would. I can't imagine they would offer him a boatload of money for NXT. I, I, I think that they're well right now they're cash rich. I think they they saw this as a signing that if it hurts them more than it helps us great I, I think that really this is what it comes down to uh, yeah and I suppose it's it's worth pointing out or worth remembering uh, this sense of let's not underestimate how petty and petulant Vince can be oh yes especially, and we're going to see more of this especially now especially as it comes to something like I'll bet he's probably still got his arse in his hands over MSG oh, of course he has so you know of course he has and that's where a lot of this is probably stemming from yeah. from, from the New Japan side of things and the thing is that the rest of the stuff that was set up on the show itself was not all that exciting. Fucking Taichi is an opponent for Naito. Like, that doesn't do anything for me. Taichi just fucking sucks. And, and I don't think it does anything for anyone. No, it doesn't do anything for anybody. It's spinning your wheels. LIJ, Feud with Suzuki Gun again. Um, you know, it's like this was, a, this was a show without any of the guys from the Elite. No Omega, no Ibushi. And the promotion looked stale because of it. And again, the show ends with a big emphasis on Switchblade. Jay White laying out Tanahashi laying out Okada with Farley standing next to him and I just looked at this and I just thought this 
you know what it felt like actually I think this is the, the damning comparison I was thinking of before it felt like in ECW when everybody leaves and Just Incredible gets the world title this guy who's not got the charisma he's bland he's plain he's just not he's, he's okay at what he does but okay is it oh, oh, okay he's not going to cut the mustard not here not, not compared to what he's replacing no and and you sort of sit there and obviously it comes across like I'm picking on Jay White but if, if you can't convince and you can't look strong and be believable when they're affording you this platform are you ever going to be? Yeah, it's pretty tough. Um, we'll see how it goes, you know. But like I say, Life Without the Elite didn't look too hot on this show, unfortunately. I mean, New Japan have recovered before. Oh, uh, of course they have. I mean, obviously, you know, when Styles announces he's going and Nakamura says he's going and they lose Gallows and Anderson. Now, you know, we, can, we can sort of make jokes as much as we want about maybe Gallows and Anderson and what their significance is given the way they're treated in the E right now. But they were a focal point in New Japan they left you know, so then, you, know, you lose those four the night after New Japan but that's the thing when they left they immediately had the replacement right there with Omega yeah and they are immediately going in that direction and I kind of half expe- I think that's why I half expected that to be what it was and then when Switchblade's the one standing tall it's like that is the replacement and that is weak now having said that let's actually get into this a little bit who are some of the guys that you would bump up and put in their place if they are to leave Notably, um, I'm talking more about Omega and Ibushi. Yeah, uh, I do really like Sonada. Whether he's ready, it may be debatable, but I think he's someone you have to look to mm-hmm. to move up. I still, I don't think they're getting the most out of Naito. No, they're not. Naito seems the obvious answer for a, for an infusion of life at the top. Maybe it's because they feel the burned out matches with him and Okada, with, with Tanahashi and Okada. Um, Naito, that, that circle. I think Zack Sabre Jr. is brilliant. Maybe maybe I've got too much rose tinted specs where it comes to him. Maybe he's not someone you should elevate yet. But I don't know. Quite, I'm seeing him going for world title shots this year. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're going to have him submitting people like Ishii mm-hmm. and the last few uh, last couple of G1 clients you've showcased him he's got prominent wins in the cup last year he's got prominent wins over Tanahashi in the past yeah over Naito in the past they've given him big wins you know they're not afraid to kind of uh, to go with him but again they don't they don't keep him there do they no it's it's, 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 it's heat him up to knock him down which Mm. is fine because you've got to feed guys up in in and out and and that kind of thing but then now comes a time where you need to make a guy and you can't make a bunch of guys so like I say Sonata Osprey looks like the obvious winner to me even though I'm not the biggest fan of his he's got very cheesy um, facial expressions and shit I mean oh, it's one of the things I didn't get into in the in the, in the, the first matches to me the difference between Osprey and Ibushi was yeah. not, I was in night and day that's too strong both incredible athletics love the match but the difference between Ibushi and Osprey to me and the facial expressions and the way they carry themselves is the reason why I could honestly see Ibushi winning the world title one day and the reason why I almost don't think Osprey should, because I just don't, I, I don't, it, it stops me from getting into Osprey. That, that's why I'd, I'd like to think, and I'm, I'm wrong here, but I'd, I'd like to think that Ibushi isn't that wedded to, to Omega. Omega. And because Omega's going, he feels he's got to go as well. 
because if there's a, if ever there's an if ever there were an, I'm, I, from the look from the looks of the way the Wrestle Kingdom show went, clearly is going. But I wish that weren't the case because if yeah. there's ever the opening there now, ever the opening there, it's now. Yeah. Um. But apparently, again, that's it's not quite in his characters that he likes to be a bit more of a freelancer or at least he did he always has been the Bush, um, yeah he's still not signed a contract with anybody as far as yeah. I know so um, Osprey yeah the, the criticisms I have of Kenny Omega you can throw onto Will Osprey as well when it tenfold to, actually yeah um, far more pronounced and I, I don't think you call just because when you're selling you say oh you prick or motherfucker that's not impressive <laughs> yeah. he doesn't draw someone in He's toned that down a little bit. He has toned down, but it, you know when people use that phrase of someone who's playing pro wrestler. Okay. And I think when you're coming out with with things like that, yeah. You know, when when it's at, when it was much worse. When you're, oh, I'll, you're I'll give you an, an, sort of thing. I'll give you one example yeah. though. There was a moment when they're doing the trio spot and uh, Ibushi slaps him back. I think for the first time, and Osprey just has this look on his face. He looks out at the crowd and it's just like, oh, I hated that expression. Hated that reaction. He, he has that. What I'll call the bug-eyed look, which is sort of a startled expression. It's, it's, it's sort of the pantomime. He did that. Can you believe he's just not, <laughs> just fucking snarl and slap him back? Yeah, like some guys can pull that off, that look, but some guys also can't. And if yeah. you can't, you got to know you can't and don't do it. So that that is one thing. And, that and kind of bugs someone me. should be saying to him, "Yeah, cut that out." Yeah. Um, <laughs> But then I suppose if Knock you it if, off. if you knew Japan, should you really take my my personal views of his style aside and that sort of thing? Should you really invest in Will Ospreay, a person who's openly acknowledged he's having issues with tingling in his fingertips and the suggestions of you know <laughs> screams nerve damage? Is that someone you you hitch your wagon to? I don't think so. Yeah, probably not. So. It's it's looking tough, and it's looking tough because, and obviously the crux of this is, a couple of days after Wrestle Kingdom uh, came out in Tokyo Sports, that Kenny Omega said he was leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling and that either WWE or AEW was going to get his services. It's looking very clear like it's going to be All Elite, which was the the impression I had before Wrestle Kingdom. I would have thought. So. I mean, if I could, I could pick the the money aside, um, which seems daft to say, you know, cash those checks for God's sake, but. The money aside, I could see him being thoroughly miserable in WWE. That's why he's going to go where he's going. I've I've spoken to a lot of people who know the Japan scene very, very well. Um, and pretty much all of them unanimously have said the same thing, which is they just can't... Knowing Kenny and the way he's wired, where he actually you know he wants to be happy in his life and he doesn't necessarily care about being a billionaire. He just wants to, he wants to be happy, he wants, to, he wants the challenge, he wants the, the fun and, and you know, his friends and everything like that. That they just don't think Dereez the fit, and it looks like he's going to all elite, which of course leads that leads to the whole triangle of ROH, AEW, New Japan that been, that's been talked about a lot in the last uh, few days. And again, something that can become more pronounced as we approach the MSG show, where you yes. sort of thought, you know, New Japan would have a, a strong presence in that. You you would have thought, what's well, that's ultimately the idea is that it's really yeah. truly a New Japan more of a New Japan show than a Ring of Honor show. Because the guys who, who cross pollinate are also on this show here with guys like Jeff Cobb and, yeah. and things like that. But I don't know. It's 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 tough to kind of envision how it looks going forward. It's been a fascinating few days, and uh, I mean, I guess this all kind of all kind of comes down to what is actually becoming an enormous story with all elite wrestling, which obviously they announced at the start of the year. 
They do the rally yesterday as we record this. Well, touching back on the Jaguars, it's the only time you're going to have a rally there this year. <laughs> Did you see the rally itself? Uh, I've seen bits. Okay. I haven't watched it in its entirety. And uh, I must admit, if you're trying to get me on board, and my opinion carrying such weight, I know they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, having Conrad there is not uh, not the answer. Um, but yeah, that's a little pet peeve aside. I don't think silly. that that's an, an, an unfair take. But you know what I think was great? Alex Marvez being mm. there. Because I got, I got a little story that I got to okay. indulge me for a second. Yeah. But you are, the loyal listeners out there and yourself, Carl, you are probably a few of the people who actually appreciate this as much as I do. But my heart got warm when I saw it. And I watched, the, I watched the stream live last night at 10 o'clock. I had a few you know, problems logging on, but got there. I see Alex Marvez. My my face lights up. Ah, oh, tremendous. Of course, Alex Marvez, NFL writer, used to write for us on Observer.com. I interviewed him for Brian for the, the Brian Pillman book. Great guy. Think a lot of him. Really good. And he was really good. I thought he did, you know, again, carried himself like a sports analyst. Did a good job. Great stuff. It lends credibility. Lends credibility. And, he, and again, he just, he, it comes off authentic which I really like I go to email Alex Marvez to send a congratulations to him last night and as I'm looking through my emails I catch my, I catch a glimpse of an email that he'd sent me in December of 2017 and it made me do a double take and the reason was that he'd said in that email that uh, the guy I interviewed for the book was a guy named uh, Jeremiah Evans Vargas he's a, another super nice guy I interviewed him for the book and their friends Marvez and, and Jeremiah Marvez in his email to me had written that he had met up, met up with Jer and given a copy of the Pillman book to a mutual friend of theirs and in brackets he wrote Tony Khan and of course when I saw this last night and realised Marvez is now working for Tony Khan I just that shit my pants and realised oh my god fuck me he's, he's read the book so that was that was a pretty surreal moment in my, uh, my life last night but yeah, it was uh, it was great to see him there. SEO SoCal Uncensored is there. Um, Britt Baker, who we, uh, we kind of talked about and was known. MJF, Joey Janela, Pack, uh, Penelope Ford, Chris Jericho being there. The big shocker at the end, however shocking some people may have thought it was or wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, Double or nothing is announced for Vegas in May. Uh, I mean, it's I, I really got a feeling when it was over that. Especially with all the talk, I've been really fascinated in the last few days. Especially with all the when, when I like to listen to Meltzer talk about it because you can kind of read between the lines a little bit. Actually, I emailed Alex Marvez this morning to kind of, yeah, as I said, send him congratulations. He wrote back saying that this is actually something that's been quietly in the works for a lot longer than people think, and it kind of brought me back to when we were talking about All In in September and how some of the early immediate feeling was this is this could change the business. This show will change the business, and I wonder if this was in the works as soon as it sold out all in that bits and pieces of this were starting to come together and that it was actually it, it, you know, it wouldn't defy logic would no, it? no I, I like if they've seen how, how quickly the advance was and... there's something um, to this the, the, Tony Khan you know, if people don't know long time Observer subscriber huge fan of professional wrestling um, so I, I just That's find a, it very uh, interesting. Owner of the Jaguars, hence the, the rally there. Of course, of course. Owner of many uh, of the, our American listeners who aren't uh, football fans or soccer, as you call it. Um, owner of uh, Fulham in in West London, and you know, 
whilst Fulham aren't the biggest club, if you've got uh, any sort of prime real estate in West London, you're clearly not doing too badly. And uh, although the sale went uh, ultimately failed, was in at one point in talks with the Football Association to, get to, to, Wembley. Buy, to buy Wembley Stadium. Yeah. Now, that ultimately fell through, but at no point was it suggested it was because the finances weren't there to do it. So the first thing you say immediately about Tony Khan... Depending on how committed they are to this, and they make sort of all the right noises initially, there's money behind this promotion. And I think that seeing Jericho there really and Omega's again, going again that speaks that speaks that sort of something that lends itself credibility. Okay, we're not just hoovering up the dregs of what now <laughs> now is called Impact or Global Force <laughs> or TNA uh, cockroach wrestling. <laughs> um, I love that term. Um, so you know, there's 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 credible names involved, and and although Pac's been away from WWE for a while, you know, it's still a, a fairly well known name. Um, so, you know, as opening salvos go, a rally outside of a football stadium uh, isn't a bad way to start. There's obviously a lot unanswered. Just how much money will be involved? What sort of deal is? I know a lot. Of, you know, a lot of the talent, well, or presumably ninety nine point nine percent of the, uh, the the talent involved will be on exclusive contracts. Hence, they've sort of uh, the elite have left New Japan. Mm-hmm. They've not. You know, I say cut ties with Ring of Honor. It's not as if they've sort of blown up the bridge or anything. But you know, they didn't renew with Ring of yeah. Honor. So they've. You know, so presumably, you know, Cody and the Young Bucks are going to be. The focal point of this promotion, and and they should be, yeah, absolutely should be. Um, so yeah, but what sort of deal Omega's going to be on as well? Will, will that be that's the exclusive? key? Because Omega, I, I think the way that I see this happening, because the thing is, the way wrestling is now, it benefits everybody to get what they need. You know, it benefits New Japan to get Omega to have Omega there, and therefore keep Ibushi as well. He's going to be an AEW guy, so there's going to have to be. And I think that Jericho moving is actually kind of. I haven't really seen many people mention it too much, but that kind of greases the wheels a little surely as well for this some kind of cross pollination with AEW and New Japan because it's one thing when it's just Omega and the Elite crew. It's another thing if Abushi goes, but Jericho is another guy that they want to keep around. So you can't really do the deal with one guy but not the other. You see what I'm saying? It feels yeah. like if you're gonna if you're gonna do it with Jericho then there's really no reason why you can't do the same with Omega. And I think in the end, by the time March rolls around, I could be wrong on this prediction, but I really, it really feels to me like they're, they're all going to be back. Not, maybe not all of them, but Omega and Ibushi are going to stay with New Japan. I think that the, the, the vibe in the air is that they, they need to be there for New Japan's sake, and I think that they absolutely are going to end up being... I think Omega's going to be the top star of, of All Elite. How can he not be? He's going to be the centre of the promotion, and he probably should be. Well, if... Yeah, if if he's not, then they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, that's that's as, as cut and dry as it is. Uh, the TV deal apparently there are TV, some some strong TV negotiations on the table. Uh, some some notes from uh, from Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio. So for Dis- credit to Discover him. America. Nope, nope. We we don't have the we don't have the stations yet, but Challenge TV. <laughs> UK Gold. Uh, but no, apparently there, there are two deals on the table. And the way that he was talking about them was interesting. I always like to read between the lines with Dave because uh, that's quite fun to do. And the way that he was talking about how 
wrestling the, the deals that WWE got that the huge contracts they got on their TV deal last time as kind of working at the television industry a little bit to the value of wrestling like good wrestling not just any old shit show but like the, you know, the, the, the class high budget professional wrestling has value because look how much value that one has combined with yeah whether whether or not it's whether or whether oh, sorry, whether or not it's true or not hmm. whether or not it's sort of a, an artificial impression or grounded in reality that is the perception yeah which which is why a lot which of the is talk. why it's a, a, an opportune time if you're going to try and cash in yeah try and cash in now cash in now and that's the thing combined with the fact that all in was a full large stadium and we yeah, with it with a fancy set and all that stuff it's like that was the kind of i guess a clincher for some tv stations to, to get interested um and the other thing that kind of was an interesting note that he mentioned was that the production values of this are going to have to be very high to live up to the stations they're negotiating with which to me does not sound like a destination america or a pop tv that sounds like it's a credible a credible station I thought that was a cereal oh no i'm thinking of pop tarts which one <laughs> Well, one tastes better than the other. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, but I, I mean, I guess that's the, that's it's, it's to be determined what these stations are. But it sounds big. I know there's been some rumblings on Reddit, uh, and I saw this kind of echoed on the UK fans one about maybe it's uh, it could be Turner, it could be a Turner station, <laughs> the, which would be hilarious. Yeah, I'm not sure ironic's the right, right way to describe it, but uh, yeah, apropos Res- would be fucking- Res- wrestling back on the old Turner networks. Yeah, if it turns on TNT, that'd be hysterical. God, can you imagine Vince's reaction to that? Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, dear. That might put him in a grave. <laughs> that might be the one. That, that might that might, that might. Because she didn't... Your timing's great. Yeah. Um, and it, and the, let's face it. The business is always more interesting when there's more going on. And I'm not suggesting for one second that all elite wrestling is genuine competition to WWE in terms of, a, you know, the landscape and the footprint it can create mm. but it's an alternative and if I can't have something that can compete give me more alternatives because at the moment WWE either serves up paint by numbers which is dull or stuff that's borderline offensive and frankly given the fact that Triple H is back over TV and you've had the involvement of the McMahons recently and the way Shane is booked Disgustingly self-indulgent. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I like Daniel Bryan. SmackDown's not. Yes, yeah, yeah. Don't go, that's not to say it doesn't have its good points. Yeah, SmackDown's not a bad show. There was a tag match on SmackDown this week with uh, Mysterio and Ali against Joe and Almas, which was pretty fantastic, actually. Um, this stuff that's good. I mean, that's the frustrating thing about WWE right now. But it's not emphasised. No. Oh, I, I don't believe it's emphasised. And what is emphasised doesn't leave the nice impression. Or yeah, or if they do emphasise it, you know it's been emphasised with a tinge of... It doesn't... It's not going to matter that much. Very shortly. That, I mean, that's the thing that's, that he's really done a number on this last couple of years. Is they've, It feels like they've scorched the earth on making people realise that what's going on actually really matters like just stuff like fucking Nakamura and Oscar winning the Rumbles last year both losing the Mania doesn't and, matter and, and where are they now and where are they yeah. I mean, well, I mean Nak- Nakamura is just screwing around over the US belt and doing, in the middle. doing nothing in the middle but that goes Oscar, Oscar has been in fair, I think it's fair to say she's been rehabilitated to a degree. somewhat from, yeah, yeah. from what I'd call the nadir of 
losing to Carmella on pay-per-view and being involved with Ellsworth. You know, she's she sort of bounced back a bit since then, but yeah, obviously not to the extent that when she, she brought in for what I would call the NXT syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's because of that. I, I'm not sure where this is going to see. I'm I'm excited because. It's intriguing, if it's, nothing else. It's really interesting to me, because there is more money that looks like they are willing to spend early, which is like the thing that we've talked about on this show before, about how... And the thing, actually, in fairness, just, just sorry, but no, just go for continue. It. And spending it early to make a splash being a key distinguishing feature between them and Ring of Honor, yes. who, in fact, yeah, I'll give Sinclair the, the give the devil their due they did fight to get into MSG they clearly were willing to put the money behind it in a legal effort to get into MSG and from everything you sort of read and the sounds that are coming out they're quite prepared to spend more money now to have you know more guys of an, like Bandido more of an get guys like Bandido to have more of an influence but you've already come out of the gate you know you're not making your first impression. No. You are... And I mean, this is the thing that's like... That, that's not to say they won't grow as a result. Well, that's it. It's, it's always... It's, these industry, they're always growth companies because like, you know, Rome isn't built in a day, as they say, and it takes a long time to build a legacy. And I think that the problem with, with, uh, with a place like Ring of Honor is that because it's been at that same level, it's now hard to envision it at the next level. Unless, and, and alter people's pre- perceptions. Yeah, unless they do go for that massive injection of cash, which just then changes the face. But to do, but at the same time, it's like with AEW, by spending the money early, it's given it this feeling in the air. Like this actually feels like it could be quite the major league operation. Depending on what that TV deal is, that t- if they've got a good, if they got an honest to god good TV deal, this is like the scenario we've talked about on this podcast before about how if anything is ever going to be an honest to god challenge for WWE, it has to be budgeted like WWE in terms of production talent everything advertising getting the word out about it it's got to be it's the full thing it can't just be we're competitive WWE running in this fucking 300 seat soundstage it's never going to work no never you're not a competitor you're just there and that's and, and, and company after company has, has, has tried and failed and it just this is again I, I, I'm intrigued as how it draws live when it comes to doing these TV tapings well that's that's the curious thing yeah I mean if, if I'm if I'm them and there's money to spend even if your numbers in theory aren't going to be great straight off the bat, f- make sure you fucking pad that place out to give that feel at least, if nothing else. You've got, it's got to be, it's got to look and feel major league, and that's the that's going to be. I'm interested to see what they take on how they do television. Is something yeah. as, as simple as that. That's what I'm excited for to see this spin on professional wrestling from these guys. What's it going to look like? And part of the sort of plain devil's advocate when it comes to making a splash in the first instance like this with your rally and all that sort of thing going back to that expectations game again you do set yourself a high bar which means it can backfire if you if you don't clear it on that first attempt yeah. but you know, you know t- time will obviously tell on that but yeah to your point you can't book at fucking MGM Studios yeah you, know, you, you can't be booking at the bloody <laughs> high school gym down the road universal backlot yeah it's you know and that's not to say that you have to go out and book the 20,000 seat arenas 
you know, straight off the bat. Yeah. It could be Carl's favourite, the Harrow Arena in Dayton. I don't know if that name did spring to mind. <laughs> but because I look at it in the sense of, you know, that's, that's a, an arena which I think if you, t- if you take away the stage for, for pro wrestling with the ring and everything, you can have around 6,000. Mm-hmm. So, you know, venues of that ilk, I think, are what you need to aim for. Yeah. Because SmackDown's not instance. doing great ticket sales right now, and they can well, still make their show look yeah, okay. Yeah, and... and and Raw's the same in truth when you look yeah. at paid attention to Raw's there's a re- you know I'm convinced now that one of the reasons they went to the red and blue hue of the lights is to obscure old tapered off bits yeah. of the arena because mm-hmm. you know their numbers don't really approach what we historically know them to be at their peak until we start reaching you know four or five weeks before Mania mm-hmm. where they make a point on TV of announcing their attendances which they never do yeah and then you could always argue then it's do they probably inflate the numbers even then still <laughs> but you know you don't get that vibe of a full arena outside of what I'll call sort of the Mania window yeah and I think that's going to be the, the interesting thing is that they could, they can do all the major I think this is why I'm so interested and have have all the lights on yeah don't get me wrong I'm not one of these people uh, I think this always is what helps Vince with the perception of wrestling was in the bloody bar rooms and the you know mm-hmm. the arse end of nowhere because <laughs> because the NWA and other promotions dim the lights dim the lights which is a feel I love as, you know, from a sort of grittiness and mm-hmm. obviously they you know they've always done it for boxing historically but it's always, it always helps Vince with that perception of we're the major leagues we sell out look at these dark dingy places yeah that dark dingy place just happens to be you know. The Greensboro Coliseum. The Greensboro Coliseum or the Keel Auditorium, which are holding thousands upon thousands, but you can point to it dimly lit to suggest otherwise. So, but in this context, have the lights up. Yeah. Show if you've got the rabbit crowd. If you've got if you've got the arena packed, show everyone packed out. Yeah. Perception is going to be reality, and that's what I'm keen to see. Have some fireworks displays at the show, oh, the show which, WWE, which WWE don't they're do anymore. Do. They're going to they, blow the arse off. All those pyro. sort of things. They're going to go, they're going to do pyro. They're going to do all this stuff, and it's going to make again it, all the, the ballyhoo, all the ballyhoo. Give us the pro wrestling that you know you think that people, and that's I think ultimately that's what they're going for, which is encouraging. Um, and I think what, what I'm interested to see is they, it looks like they're going to go major league on a lot of stuff here. If they, if they get this good TV deal, and again, speculative that they are. And they're spending money on Jericho and Omega and these, you know, if they can get a Bushi, great. If they can make some other good signings from some free agents, if they can get Pentagon and uh, Phoenix, that'd be great too. But, you know, um, and, and I think, by the way, the diamond that I've not mentioned is the, the announcement of the uh, the OWE guys, uh, Shima's guys in China that have been fucking kicking ass and it's a different level of high-flying. That's going to make a great first impression too when you put those guys in with the Young Bucks. So I think that there's a very strong chance that with the amount of money they'll put in to make it look good, with the amount of hype you hope that they're capable of doing, will the audience be there? If all the right moves are made, is the audience going to... Because the thing is... Well, we, we've often talked about with All In, you know, it, yeah. it's all well and good saying you're going to hold these one-off shows. It's a flying crowd, man. Yeah. It's, they're not in one you, town. They're not going to go every week. You're not going to get that every week. No, you're not. And that's what I'm kind of wondering because one of the things that Meltzer had mentioned on his radio show as well is let, it'll be very interesting to see if this breaks into the Google trends. And I, I researched it. No, they did not. Didn't come close to being in the top 20 uh, most searched items on Google the day of the rally. 
So there, this is this is still a niche audience that knows about this. It's still the hardcore, well, the diehards, the hardcore fans, whatever you want to call them. They're the ones that are going to be mobilized and energized to go to Double or Nothing Two, Double or Nothing Two, Double or Nothing All in Two. But what's this going to look like when this is a television property? And that's a different story. And that's going to be. No, that, that, might, that, might, that might be a bit of a, more of a wake-up call than people realise. Yeah, because that's the nuts and bolts of your company. Yes, it is. You know, if you can't if you can't produce the TV now... Mm-hmm. And that's it. When we were talking about All In back in September, yeah. I remember we said, okay, All In does not tell us what a promotion run by these people would look like. It's, 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 a, false, it's a false impression because it's, it's, a, it's a different audience and it's a different show than they could do on a regular basis. And, of course, one, one of the other um, potential issues is if you are budgeting for one of the more premium networks let's say and you know I know the television landscape has changed we've talked about that mm-hmm. before on the show with YouTube with Netflix and all the streaming services you know, and that's the reason why people are still prepared to pay millions upon millions upon millions for WWE um, television rights because although their ratings are at historic lows, those historic lows in the wider context of the television landscape are still a damn sight better and is still a, a good enough core audience that you're guaranteed to get than what you're going to get on the rest of your networks. You, know? you can say, okay, on the USA Network, Raw isn't number one every week like it used to be. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, no, it's not. But what else? What else have they got on that network? Season twenty-seven of Suits. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Royal Pains was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know, within the within the the context being the key, it's still a significant footprint. Yeah. That being said, what numbers are they going to? What numbers do they need to produce to remain viable on this network? Because this network will be expecting good numbers, mm-hmm. e- even if they're lower than what we anticipate in wrestling's heyday, they're still going to want strong, stable numbers. It needs to be heavily promoted, man. It really and does. And Spike were happy with a 1.0 for TNA. Um, you could argue the case they may still have been on Spike to this day had it not been for Russo and, and all those shenanigans <laughs> yeah, with, with, yeah. with the most inept we'll call a CEO for argument's sake in Dixie Carter the most inept runner of a company this side of what Herb Abrams in the original UEF <laughs> <laughs> maybe I love a name like that you know popping about <laughs> You know, for, for comparison, yeah. maybe, maybe six of you will get that reference. If you don't, Foley references it in detail in, um, in his, book, in his, first, his first book. Best case scenario, this is the first, I think this is why, for the first time since WCW died, I actually genuinely believe there's a chance of another WCW. I'm not saying it's going to get there, because I don't know that it is. There are so many ifs, and there's a lot, there's a lot to, take to become something like that. I'm just saying that I never believed it with TNA, ever. On its best day, I never believed. Even when Angle and Hogan and all those guys were there, I never believed they were ever going to no. truly be a competitor. With the amount of money this has got behind it, and the fact that they got that nucleus, there's more of a chance. There and is, that's exciting to me. I'm, I'm also very curious about what sort of model they're looking to run. Yeah. I'm not suggesting they're going to go for a 
all elite network straight away or anything like that but are they, are, are they going to do the more traditional model of TV shows to build a, a to build to a pay view? Are they going to look for pay per view clearance? I think that feels like the most logical way to go. To be quite honest, it won't be monthly pay per views. No, I mean, but I, but I can see four a year. I can see four a year. Could I see? Could I see it branching out to maybe six a year? Every two, every two months if if the model's proven successful yeah so with that said we've pretty much brushed everything else unless there's anything else you want to say on this subject any thoughts you've had any feelings that you uh, are inclined to uh, to share no, I, th- I think I'm pretty much we pretty much run the gamut for the most part I'm like I say you're just, you're just intrigued coming away from this what will All Elite Wrestling ultimately be you know, we, we don't know we are just speculating at this point how did New Japan rebound? This, yeah. They 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 have a recent track record of recovering, but they've never had to sort of pick themselves up to this extent before. I, I think this is think. the biggest test of Ghetto's booking in years. Um, but I'm going to say I have faith. Yeah, I, I ultimately, which is I'm very curious to the direction that comes out of the New Beginning show in, in Sapporo and mm-hmm. going forward. What are those early shows going to tell us? Is Jay White going to win the title? Is Jay White going to win the title? I, I'll, there you go. As far as the prediction, no. <laughs> I hope not. Or at least he's not winning it now. I, I, I don't. I don't think. I know that Omega leaving is sort of dictated terms with Tanahashi winning it anyway, but I don't think they would rush to change the belt again so quickly. No. They like to protect their belts. You know, it's not insignificant to win at the Tokyo Dome. I don't think they'd want that to seem like a transition. Even if ultimately, down the line, that's what they're thinking, we, we'll put it on Tanashi now to go to Jay White. I think they'll want to leave time. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I kind of think the same. It's all... You know, it, it is just really interesting because in response, how much money are ROH going to throw at talent now? Yeah. That they've they've given their, their the opening salvo already to, to having having lost those roster members. So, you know, is it going to be a bidding war between those two? Just how petty is Vincent oh, McMahon going on. to be? Let's see the Vince of all. That's what are I we, want. I, you know, are we going to see AWA pillaging Vince? Go on, he's going to sign Conrad. Do you it wouldn't surprise me if he got a job. He, I, I think there's a good chance of that. Yeah. One day it'll happen. You watch. <laughs> to say nothing of the fact the other news story obviously is Hogan. Oh yeah, yeah. Hogan's back by how, the way. How do we bring back notable racist Hulk Hogan? <laughs> well, there's been a death in the WWE family. Let's bring him in for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no is anyone surprised? No, oh, not, not, in, surprised. not in the least. It was <laughs> Even when they let him go the first time, it was always going to be a case of how long do they leave it? Eventually, he'll have his Hall of Fame membership back. and you know. I think he already does. Oh, does he? I think it was, oh, well, it was well, reinstated there, there, the whole thing. There, there you go. There yeah. You go. Yeah. Another black eye for Pete Rose. <laughs> All you did was bet on your own team. <laughs> I backed us and I'm punished. Yeah. I insulted a race of people. But let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> great no we're gonna leave it for this week so thank you very much for listening and of course we will be back on squared circle gazette radio i believe with the next installment of the monday night war timeline uh which will be december of 1999 oh boy yeah it's gonna be a tough one 
But uh, things are a changing in uh, in World Championship Wrestling and the, and, the, and the World Wrestling Federation too, for that matter. Uh, one of which we're we're feeling to this very day on the WF side of things. So, with that said, again, thank you very much for listening. For Carl Jones, Happy New Year, everybody. I am Liam O'Rourke. We're out of here. Talk to you next week.